everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Book More Show. The, uh, well, I'd like to say the weekly show about everything publishing your book, but uh, we haven't been quite re- weekly recently, so we'll get on a, uh, a new schedule. So uh, this is the first of uh, first of the ones to come. So pleasure as always to be joined by Betsy Vaughan. Betsy, how are you doing? I'm great, Stuart. How are you? Very good. Thank you. Very good. Today, I thought we would talk about something that's come up in quite a few uh, conversations that I've had with authors recently, where we've been helping people dial in the job of work of the book, uh, really help people dial in their call to action. So there's lots of products out there which will help people create books ranging from the really kind of do-it-yourself end of things, kind of educational programs, guiding people towards what they might want to or what they might need to do in order to structure it. Uh, there's even programs like, um, uh, oh, what's it called? Narrow, uh, the Write a Book in a Month program, uh, which is more aimed at uh, fiction and short stories, but but still there's that commitment to getting something written. Right up to products like Book in a Box, which really go deep into uh, taking a, a um, taking a good amount of content and really aiming for that New York Times bestsellers market. So, these days, people have got a lot of, of options out there. For the 90-minute book, we're really focused on helping people create something that does achieve, say, single job of work. It's best suited to help people identify invisible leads. And from all of your potential audience out there, get those who are most likely to be engaged with your message or your product or service to raise their hand by offering them something of value that that starts a conversation and in a relatively low commitment way gets them to opt in and request a copy of the book. So in the realtor world, we use the example of imagine you could fly over your local town and have special x-ray specs on. And as you fly over all of the houses where people are talking, having a conversation about selling are highlighted as you fly over and that kind of heat map would identify, help you identify those invisible prospects and a book is a great way of doing that because it allows people to request something relevant and useful, gives value, starts the conversation. But that's only the first part. Once you've identified them, you really need to orchestrate the conversation, orchestrate the journey and guide people to that next step. So starting with the end in mind, your ideal prospect, once they've requested a copy of the book, they've read it, what do you want them to do next? So. I had quite a few conversations recently with people trying to dial that in because what we tend to find, and you were saying just the other day, that uh, this conversation comes up quite a lot with the people that you speak to, is the call to action is quite often, well, give us a call and we'll schedule a meeting, which in itself isn't isn't terrible. At least you're giving someone something to do, but that can be seen as quite a barrier. Someone has to be relatively motivated in order to take that step. Um, there are two scenarios that spring to mind where this is particularly relevant or two different scenarios rather that you need to consider when you're thinking about how best to define the call to action, which which really is the, the back cover copy. And that is the path where people have already opted in. So people have requested a copy of the book either physically or, or digitally from you, but you know who those people are. And the job of work of the back cover copy is then to um, encourage them, to compel them to take the next step. And the other path, which is more valid for some people than others, is in the physical book sense. 
So this is where you don't necessarily have the person's contact details before they're reading the book. So you don't have a way of having a conversation with them. They've just got a copy of the book either from uh, Amazon is the easy one to think about because you don't get the lead details from Amazon. People are just requesting the book. But even when you're not selling a book on Amazon, we talk quite a lot and we'll do another show about orchestrating referrals through complementary non-competing businesses. So this might be um, organizations or uh, church groups or schools or opportunities that you've got to add value to their audience by giving people the book, but you're not necessarily uh, or almost certainly not collecting the lead details from those third sources, third party sources. So in those situations, someone will have a copy of the book, but you don't necessarily know what that who that person is. So what can you do to um, to elicit their details out of them to to get their contact details in order to start the conversation? Right. So how would we how how do they do that? Tell us about that. So we've had lots of uh, feedback of, of various different ways of people are doing it, and some people do uh, in that third party scenario they do collect details. So if it's a known third party, if it's a a friendly business that you work with, sometimes you can get those details passed across. Um, sometimes in a in a conference type environment or an expo type environment. Um, uh, like a show, then where tickets are being purchased, sometimes the organisers will pass on the lead details of all the contacts anyway. So some scenarios you will have it, but it's a great idea to to assume that you don't, and then any that you do are a benefit uh, if you if you get this broader group. But if you can write a call to action, if you can structure a call to action that makes it easy for people to opt in in a non-committal way, then it's a greater likelihood of of someone taking that step because you get people further at the top of the funnel. If you think of the funnel in terms of very, um, very browsy type people at the top, people who are just early stage investigators narrowing down the funnel to those people who are more specifically looking for a piece of information than people who are specifically looking for information from you and then people who are specifically looking for information about you relative to a specific product heading down towards the sales page and then obviously customers popping out of the bottom the earlier you can capture people in that funnel and the uh, the the better the conversation you can start engaging them and start educating them down that process, the more likely it is that as they start sifting and sorting themselves, they'll end up at the point where they get to a sales page where they're far more committed than um, person B who would just come to that sales page from a organic web search or a PPC advert or something where there isn't that relationship built up. So, I think I seem to have uh, said all of those sentences in one breath. Let me uh, take a drink of this coffee and I will give you a couple of examples that have, have come up recently. Yes, please. Because, you know, I have people, real fast, I have people say to me, and I've, I, I don't want to quote that it was Dean Jackson that was one of the people who've said it before, but people say that you should be able to look at the back of the book, you should be able to, to, to draw that call to action without reading the book, and grab those leads, have people interested without someone ever opening your book. What are your thoughts on on, on that whole idea? I mean, do you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's yeah. uh, it's, it's a great point. I keep meaning to. I found uh, 
I must have been early last year, if not a little before, I found a, um, an article from a publishing company talking about read rates of books. So it was talking about fiction rather than nonfiction. Mm. Um, it was talking about the, the disastrously small number of actual read rates compared to the number of books purchased. And that's for... Uh, non, uh, that was for fiction. So this is people who actively want to be entertained. The amount of book that they actually read is is relatively tiny. So there's really not that much expectation that people will will read all of the information that you put in the book. The the unfortunate, honest truth. I mean, I just need to turn around in the office here and look at the shelf full of books, which uh, I think I've said before. Every single one of them, at the point of purchase, I had a hundred percent intense and even excitement about reading but if you actually looked at the amount of them that i've read i can see sticking out the top of them lots and lots of uh bookmarkers or uh, scraps of paper only about a chapter or two in because with the best intentions i just haven't got around to it um the i think the benefit of and this is part of the psychology of having using a book as a lead generation tool there is a an authority and a leverage and uh, all of the good things you get from being a recognized author comes from the fact that someone has something in their hand or even electronically to a certain degree but has something that has all of the aura of a published book that is a credibility and an encouragement piece in its own right so Dean said before, and we've said on the show a couple of times, that the the page that's 100% read is the front cover. And it's the front cover that grabs people's attention in the first place. That's the thing that compels people to fill in their name and email address details. That's why I think in the last show, or, or maybe the one before, we were talking about the the heading, uh, the title and the, the heading right. really being best positioned to give the promise of a solution. So, um, so I forget the examples that we use, but a book tale of the, um, well, I use Lubo's example, so that's an easy one to, for people to, to think, um, to conceptualize. So Lubo's book, The Adult Acne Cure, talks okay. about, or the, the call to action is a lead towards a device that uses blue and red, uh, blue and red light and galvanic waves to to address acne. But the book is called The Adult Acne Cure. It's absolutely nails the target audience. If you're an adult with acne, that steps right, out to you. Right, it's not just yeah. the acne cure, it's the adult acne cure. It's not the uh, the user's guide to red and blue lights to solve skin conditions that talks about the process. The title doesn't develop the process. The title promises the solution. So right. front cover, promising a solution, touching hot buttons, someone opts into that because they're projecting to their future self of wanting that outcome. It's not that they're projecting wanting more information about a process. Um, weight loss books tend to focus on the, the solution, the results, rather than the process. Whereas um, technical fitness books focus on the process because often that audience it's an education-based audience they're looking for. They want a deep dive on the process itself more so than the outcome. So anyway, risk of going into a whole separate show about titles. So the front cover is the page that's 100% read. In the physical world, the back cover is then the next most read page because people will pick it up and turn it over and read the back. Uh, slightly different in the digital world, of course, because it's not displayed in quite the same way. Um, 
then the next most read page is quite often the table of contents because people want the the synopsis, the overview of what the what the content will reveal to them. So that's why a lot of the table of contents that we focus on with people are really highlighting questions or or guiding people through start to finish the the problem the problem statement the solution and the 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 next step so when you look down a 90 minute book table of contents it's not so much random uh random statements of of what the um of what's in this the chapter itself it's not so much a, a clever witty line about partly revealing what might be in there because unlike a fiction book the objective here is really to get someone from the front cover to the back and the back is the call to action and the content in between the front and back cover needs to lead someone on that journey give them the confidence that that you're the right person to answer their question and a very clear next step so they can get that that problem fixed a fiction book is the product is the book itself you want someone to engage in the product you want them to engage in the the words on the page where these types of books that we're talking about, you just want someone to get to the back and the content is just the, the evidence to support that decision. So table of contents is the next most important thing. And again, that looked at in isolation should really guide people towards the outcome that you want at the end. Again, start with the end in mind. And the back cover then is... As you said, someone reading it without reading the content should have enough of a enough of a motivation, enough certainty presented to them that if you think of them completing an action from starting their journey, thinking about the problem that they're trying to solve, seeing the thing that you're presenting and agreeing that that takes them further down that journey, that helps them make their boat go faster, it helps them resolve their problem so a compelling title, to a back cover that is then reconfirming their belief, giving them more certainty, more credibility, more authority that the call to action, the, the step that they can take will take them even further towards towards success, towards resolution, then the back cover should stand alone, exactly as you said, to guide people to those next steps for all of the audience that aren't going to bother really reading the book. So there's always a bit of a debate about how um, the back cover is obviously constrained by space. Um, from a design perspective, you want to make it relatively straightforward and easy for people to understand. So it is very, um, it's, it's really a copywriter's task to to dial that message in. But you're absolutely right. Thinking about it in terms of is this is are the words on this page compelling enough to allow people to take the next step? That's uh, that's quite an important consideration. So when we see, sorry, when we see, you know, when people we we look at the back covers, and and I don't have any of our books right in front of me at the moment, but you know, usually there's that. Um, if you're, I don't know, let's say, um, I've written a book about opening a dentist practice or what have you, um, and I say, here, go, here's my email me for questions. That is just not. That's just not enough. That's I, I see emails a lot. Um, so some other options are, you know, putting their website on. I think we've talked about things, um, take this assessment, those things. Can you elaborate on, on some other options that are better than just, just putting the website or just putting their email or sometimes it's the phone number? I mean, you know, most people are not going to, I think today most people are not going to pick up the phone just based on something they see on the back cover. 
you know, yeah. I think it's... And it's a great point, isn't it? And it goes to the the relationship cost. You've got so many credits that you can build up with someone, um, in or rather, a better way of saying it perhaps is in someone's mind. They've got a threshold before they're willing to take the step of of contacting you directly. And if you're not able to pass that threshold then they're unlikely to take that step. Now, that threshold in their mind will be set by a a number of parameters. It's going to be, in part, how much competition there is out there. If you're the only game in town, then you've got a huge advantage because if they want the outcome, then they don't have much choice. If someone's in a massive amount of pain and this is a quick and easy solution, then their threshold will will be reduced because they've got no choice. But that, so what we're saying is the most motivated people will take that step, but the whole rest of the audience, the whole rest of the people who are uh, reading it or engaging with it and who aren't quite at that point yet are unlikely to take that step. So sometimes, I mean, the, um, as we talk to people, the answer is always it depends because there's, there's a, a million and one elements that, that come into it that can vary it. So there's never one answer. So I think it's always worth... Uh, including an, uh, an email address and a phone number on there for people who are, are mm-hmm. the hottest, for those who do want to make it. But the point that you're making there is that you shouldn't have it as the only option. If it's right. the only option, then it will, by its very nature, exclude everyone that hasn't mentally passed that threshold of what they're willing to do. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, particularly these days, it takes a lot for someone to pick up a phone and make a call because Absolutely. we're so email-based or text-based or form-based it's really um it really seems to be the last thing that people want to do generally is make contact with other human beings <laughs> because, it, it's uh, well, but, it, but it, that's, it, that is so true you know i even have clients who will say um just shoot me a text you know to answer right. that question well that question could be you know eight inches long and a text message if i'm going to send it to well, you, you know and you know what with but I was just going to say, and with the best will in the world, we even fall foul of it internally. So we're a, a distributed company. We're we're spread out all over the country. Well, in fact, all over the all over the world because I'm across in the UK at the moment. And it's so easy to get. We've got some great communication tools internally with Trello and Slack, um, as well as email, just to make sure that there is there's fantastic communications. But I would say that probably ninety nine, well, maybe not quite ninety seven percent of all of our communications are on are on one of the text-based services so slack right. or trello or, or something else and it's uh it's very easy just to get into that routine of um of 20 messages back and forth when actually one phone call would have uh right would have solved it um as you can tell by these but podcasts the other, so, we have this fear like with phone calls that it's either going to take up too much time you know and and yeah. sometimes they do even you know like having a call with a client today that really was probably a 47 second conversation and it 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 was you know i was on the phone for 35 minutes which was which was fine from my standpoint but even he was like wow gosh this, we've been on the phone way too long you know kind of thing and i thought and time goes yeah and time goes fast and i think that yeah yeah like you say i think that's the challenge with um with expecting people to make phone calls is Mm -hmm. it's quite often seen as an open-ended commitment for both parties and and that can be a resistance and increasingly so now where there are other options so if you're only relying on people making a phone call then it really is cutting out some of the audience 
So a couple of the examples then that spring to mind of ways where you can perhaps better structure the back cover copy. So just to recap again, we said there's two jobs of work really for the back cover copy. The first one is for someone who you're in a conversation with already. They've opted in so you know who they are. You need the back cover copy to be compelling enough to make help them take the next step. And the second scenario is all of those people who you don't know who they are so how can you capture those leads and start that conversation with them to encourage them to take the next step so the example i'm going to use is it's jim hacking who's an immigration lawyer we've been working pretty closely with him uh, for people who haven't been listening to the more cheese less whiskers podcast jim was actually on the first episode of that um that actually is a, another podcast that I recommend people listen to. Uh, so if you go to morecheeselesswhiskers.com and that's Dean, uh, each week we go take one person and sort of deep dive on their business for an hour, really looking for the opportunities to to leverage. And there's there's quite a few book authors in there who have who have done a deep dive and, on how to use the book in their business. So head over to morecheeselesswhiskers.com if you haven't listened to that one. So Jim, I've been working pretty closely with Jim over the last couple of weeks. We've been doing some separate uh, one-on-one stuff his latest book so his one was done uh, last year i think which was based on h1b1 visas and, uh, and students then uh, staying in the u.s as they need to change status and this one that we're writing now is about bringing spouses into the u.s so where someone has a partner overseas what is the process in order to bring them across jim's been doing this for um, i think he's been doing it I was going to say for 20 years, but it might not be. So I don't want to unfairly age him, but uh, they've got a great amount of experience, particularly with this and uh, and more specifically immigration from Muslim countries. So we were niching down uh, in a separate piece of, of work, niching down to how best to help that community. So back cover copy for the spouse visa book could be in this book or, or work with us and we'll we'll go through our three-step processes. We uh, collect all of your information. Then we have one of our professionals assess it and contact you and do a proper onboarding. And then we walk you through the process. Uh, we hold your hand for the the um, the actual immigration process itself and do all the, the uh, education you might need to make sure you're best prepared. So give us a call and we'll get you started. So that was where we started from. And that in and of itself wouldn't be terrible. At least there's clearly laying out what the process is and giving an opportunity for the hottest of prospects to reach out on a phone call or an email. But it doesn't serve the job of engaging people who aren't the hottest yet, although we've captured the leads already. And for the physical copies, it doesn't do the job of encouraging people to give us their details to start a conversation with apart from as we say the hottest ones that actually want to take action now so where we've come to in the uh, in the current version and we're just finalizing this at the moment so it may change before we, we finish but at the moment we've got three steps on the back so the back cover will be a quick overview of of what was in the book restating the problem it's um bringing a spouse into the country can be a daunting prospect. There are hundreds of, oh, there are not hundreds, but there are many forms, all of them seemingly designed to catch you out without the right, uh, the right help and support. You can find yourself in a situation where you're adding years to the process all because of a small administrative mistake. The three steps, so that really kind of 
highlights to anyone not reading the book, just reading the back, that yes, this is a problem that they might have. There is something they need to be concerned about. So what do they need to do in order to mitigate that for it not to happen to them? So the three steps that we've got at the moment are, number one, head over to our website and watch the videos we've got specifically walking you through the process. Number two, download a copy of our onboarding uh, questionnaire and we'll play with the names on this but download a copy of our onboarding questionnaire which takes you through walks you through step by step all of the documents you'll need to submit the process and step three is then uh for the fastest possible start get in touch and we do a a 20 minute uh, consultation with you just to to let you know if you might run into any particular problems or anything you might need to specifically watch out for those so are great. I mean, that's, that's great. I think those are just those are very engaging. People want to, and they'll do those things. You know, those are those are those are catching. You know, and and that's a those are, I, I might use that as an example with some people when having conversations coming up. Yeah, I think so. And I think we're going to once we we're sort of in the process. We're probably still a couple of weeks away from getting this all finalised. Mm-hmm. But once we do, we're definitely going to get Jim to do a case study because uh, we'll track this one quite closely because it's uh, it's really a it's pretty nice. Uh, niche target market that's easy for the people to understand i think it's going to get great results from it because there's definitely a big uh, a big need out there and if nothing else with the uh with the administrative changes now uh, we're on the uh well we're thursday the 19th of january as we record so uh the president changes tomorrow with that administration there's going to be a lot of of probably going to be a lot of questions or or um I don't want to say concerns necessarily, but things are definitely going to change and it's going to raise all those questions. So just from a timing point of view, having this piece of information out there for people who are going to be concerned and worried and, and emotional, the next 12 months are a really good time for, for Jim to be doing this and providing really valuable mm. information out into the market. So let's just, we're heading to the half hour. So my voice is getting a little bit croaky and conscious of uh, of people's time as they're listening to this so i just want to recap quickly and look at these three call to actions these three steps against the original uh the original problem that we were trying to trying to solve for so two things for people who have opted in we've got their details already we can start a conversation with them what does this call to action do for that first group of people? Well, it does two things. One, it offers them a number of things of additional value. The first one, go and watch the videos on our site. They don't need to do anything else. There's no opt-in. They just need to go and watch it. And Jim's actually got a couple of hundred videos that they've done over the years on all of this stuff. So it's a huge resource of additional information that's just going to add value on top of value. The second one, request a copy of our our onboarding package that will walk you through all of the details that you need to know. That's a second opt-in. So although we've captured the details already, as they opt in to request this additional information with no extra input from Jim in terms of time or effort or his staff, it's going to highlight those people who are the hottest prospects. It's going to highlight those that aren't quite yet ready to phone, but they're much hotter than the ones that have just requested some information and then not yet done anything else so it's a way of sifting and sorting people and then the third option obviously for the quickest start get in touch that gives the impression that there is a slow track and a fast track to do this and the fast track option is to to um to get in touch directly and as we've said there'll be some people who do that straight away some people it's not quite their time yet 
So that gives us an opportunity of sifting and sorting to a certain degree that first group, people where you've already got their contact details. You can already have a conversation with them in parallel, but it's going to highlight those ones that are hotter. And then that hotter group, you can either send them a separate autoresponder campaign that kind of um, delivers more valuable information or really tries to, to, uh, to compel them, educate them towards making that... Uh, making that call basically so that's the first group for the second group the group of people who will get the book and we're certainly in that scenario talking about using um, referral partners uh, we've got a whole strategy around uh, the existing clients that they've got and and helping helping that relationship and again that first episode of more cheese less whiskers really goes in deep into that so anyone that's got an existing group of customers already should listen to that episode so people are going to end up with a copy of the book where they haven't yet opted in. So Jim doesn't know who they are. That mm-hmm. second step, the request a copy of the onboarding package is a nice minimum viable commitment to allow people to opt in, to raise their hand, to make those invisible prospects visible without giving them, without making the only option that they've got call us. Because as we've said before, only the small subset of people who are absolutely ready to go now will take that step. So it allows Jim to, with no prior contact, identify a whole new set of people who are potential customers and start educating and motivating those guys over time towards that, that outcome of, of making the call. Great. So, Perfect. How was that? That's... Uh, yeah, it's surprising, isn't it? 30 minutes goes pretty quickly. Um, if people want to head over to the show notes, so this is going to be on, uh, as always, we'll put this up on the 90 Minute Book website. So if you head over to 90minutebooks.com forward slash podcasts or head to the site and then on the navigation at the top is the podcast link, we'll put um, the show notes up there. There'll be a transcript so people can can dial back through and think of the examples. And I'll also put up just a quick breakdown of uh, of option A and option B in terms of this version, option B, where you give them the options that kind of tick the box of a minimal viable commitment to move people forwards. I'll put the examples there. So you can uh, head over to the website, as I say, 90minutebooks.com forward slash podcast and and take a copy take a look at that and then think for yourselves what might be the best way of presenting something on the back cover that will allow people to either raise their hand and identify themselves as a hotter prospect or for those where you don't have their lead details because they've got a copy of the book from somewhere else allow them to opt in at a relatively minimal viable commitment step of requesting something valuable and then you can start the the step of educating and motivating people towards that ultimate outcome of giving you a call great well this was, so there we go. was, was very informative and and i think very useful to to those who are thinking about working on their book well we will wrap up there unless you got anything else uh anything else spring to mind no as we close i don't think so no, cool. Well, let's wrap then. Uh, anyone listening, if you've got any questions, obviously we're we'll, uh, we're more than happy to answer them. So shoot a message to podcast at 90minutebooks.com 
or even support in 90 minute books and, and we'll make sure they route through to us and we'll be able to answer the questions on future podcasts. And we've got a couple more great shows coming up with some real life examples of people using their books out in the real world. The last episode we published with Kevin Craig, if you haven't had a chance to listen to that yet, again, strongly recommend you go and listen to that because Kevin's had some quite phenomenal and unexpected results, uh, created yeah. a whole coaching business based on, right. on, uh, it really on is book. phenomenal. I, I, I've had lots of conversations with people who are looking sort of the same mentality and, and Kevin wasn't looking for that when, when he came, came on. I don't want to talk too much about it, but you know, it's, it's been a, a big selling point to people who are really excited and they've been listening to the podcast and they're excited because of what it can potentially do. I love, I personally love the podcast with, with the real studies, with real people telling us how they're using the book and, and what it's done for them. Those are some of my favorites. So I'm looking forward Fantastic. to the, the ones coming up. Fantastic. Well, thanks, everyone. Thanks, Betsy. We will catch you next time. Great. Thanks, Stuart.